Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Oh, good morning, podcasters. Well, I'm here today with Dr. Stephen Liu. Now, Dr. Stephen Liu is one of Australia's leading plastic surgeons, and today uh, he um, is the director of um, Shape Clinic in Sydney. And today we're going to have a talk about the um, Mativa implants. And our topic is the natural breast with the Mativa ergonomics implants. So welcome, Dr. Liu. Thank you for having me, Trish. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. So look, um, I know Mativa seems to be taking Australia by storm at the moment. Um, could you tell us, well, first of all, what are the surgical areas of specialty um, that you do? Um, as a cosmetic plastic surgeon, my main area of focus is in the breast and face area. Okay, great. Well, I know that um, you're amazing on the face because you've done some amazing things with my face. But um, So you're, you do breast specialty as well? Great. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, if you don't mind, just to um, answer some questions by um, readers and people that are interested in Mativa implants. So I know that sometimes there's some likely complications with breast augmentation surgery. And how, how can, they, can the risk be controlled or minim minimised? Like any form of surgery, uh, including breast augmentation surgery, there's always some you know, potential risk. But the lucky thing is the risk with breast augmentation surgery in most you know, careful professional specialist hand is tend to be very, very, very low. And most of the time they are quite minor. I think to answer your question to your readers, the main one that as a surgeon we want to stress will be the risk of bleeding. Once again, those are low. Uh, that can be avoided by meticulous you know, surgical technique and also for the patient to avoid certain medication potentially can increase the risk, such as any anti-inflammatory medication like aspirin, neurofen. The other big one has been infection, together with what we call a capsular contracture, that is scarring around the implant that eventually cause distortion. And, and this, once again, can be avoided by adhering to a very specific technique. In Australia, we call it the 14-point type of technique. Basically, essentially, it's a no-touch technique. We want to have a meticulous surgery, do it under vision, do it what we call a sharp technique, uh, meticulous stopping any bleeding. And then the surgeon, and the surgeon alone is the person who will get the implant to be open from the sterile case and then place it inside or underneath the breast in the shortest period as possible to reduce comma any exposure or contamination. And of course, you know, the surgeon will change the glove and do a, what we call a non-touch or minimal touch technique. That has been proven scientifically to be very effective to reduce infection, more importantly long-term, to reduce you know, uh, thick scar or capsular contracture formation. Okay, so so of course that's a good. I mean, that's why women should really do their homework on the type of clinic and the surgeon that they're choosing to have their surgery with, isn't it? Because you want to make sure that all those boxes have been ticked and you're at less risk of anything, don't you? That that's absolutely right. Because you know, breast augmentation surgery is a lot more than just putting an implant and choosing the implant. There are multiple step a 
a specialist surgeon will consider before even go to that surgery. You know, patient's skin has been cleansed and there are various other maneuvers we do before we even actually make that final incision. Of course. And so why do you choose to recommend Mativa breast implants to your breast augmentation patients? And, and are they, is there a particular type of patient that they're best suited to? I was first attracted by Motiva implant about two, two and a half years ago from a, from a conference. I was attracted to it essentially by the science behind Motiva implant. That to me is the progress in breast surgery. Because if you, if you think about breast implant, the concept of breast implant and the type of breast implant has not changed for the last 30 years. Um, so when I heard of this new, completely different approach to the technology of this breast implant, it automatically attracted my attention. It's a science behind it. The science behind it is to talk about why do we have to accept that women have implants must have a capsule or scar formation around it. Why, what can we do to actually make this a thing of the past by manipulating the surface of the implant, the so-called nanotexturing? That's, that's to me is the major breakthrough um, in the development of the breast implant that attracts me. And of course, uh, having that attraction, I do a lot more investigation, a lot more research in the science behind it, looking literature, and then finally used the implant for the last two years, and I have been extremely happy by it. Not, you know, not only by the result, but also from the feedback from the patient. My, my greatest uh, joy of using Motiva implant, particularly the ergonomics range it, it has allowed me to create a breast that is not only natural with not excessively full um, look in the upper part of the breast i.e more of a teardrop look and very natural look but it also it is very soft to touch softer look and it animate that is it moves with the patient so that to me is, you know, is a basic requirement of me as a breast surgeon to have what I call a good or great cosmetic outcome from the breast implants. Yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, I was impressed by the Mativa implants when I, when I found out the fact that they had a microchip in them because I remember when that, all that big PIP disaster was happening, people didn't know what implants they had, whereas at least, you know, the microchipping is just an added bonus as well because you know where they've come from and, and what number they are. And, and at any point in your life, you can go to the doctor and know exactly what implants you've got in you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that serves dual purposes. Um, one is for patients' reassurance. If there's any concerns in the future, um, they can get their inverted comma breast scan um, without going through ringing a hospital, what implant they've had. The second thing is from, from a surgeon's perspective is, Many a times we get patients who had breast implant done seven, eight, nine years ago. Most of the time, the medical record has really been destroyed or worse still, if they come from overseas. And for our planning perspective, as well as consultation perspective, what we took the patient, it's actually much better to have a definitive, uh, definitive idea what the implant, what, what implant the patient had in their chest 
and then to be able to have a very precise um, consultation on what size we go next because we do have a reference point rather than I think you have this or, or maybe this is this. We can change the conversation. You had this, this is the size, this is the dimension, this is the width, this is protection. I would suggest going X, Y, and Z. I think yeah. it, it's, it's a very, very convenient feature. And, and it's one thing, it's called progress. Because, you know, as a, as a plastic surgeon, there has not been any progress in breast implant for the last 30 years. Yeah, it's true. It was just, it was just the, the right thing at the right time, I think. Um, I heard a story the other day of a patient who actually did go overseas and have um, some implants. And she'd had them removed to get them replaced here. And she actually had two totally different implant brands, two different sizes, and one was smooth and one wasn't. It was just like, whoa, she didn't, she didn't even know what was in her body. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think now is, is, I think hopefully now in, in this country, we will not see any of this thing done. And, and, and with the ability of the patient uh, have a chip implant, you know, all of yeah. us should be more accountable for. Yeah, totally. So what complications do the Mativa ergonomics implants avoid in comparison to traditional teardrop or anatomical implants? Well, I think when we talk about anatomical implant by nature of the, all the anatomical implant we have uh, in the market, they do have, they do need that degree of roughness uh, or texture, severe texturing um, to the surface of the implant so that it will stick and it won't move. Uh, with anatomical implant, if it moves, then the shape of the breast will be completely distorted and looks quite odd. That, that's one of the requirements. With Motiva ergonomics, with its nano texturing, it allows movement, but more importantly, with the type of gel they have, which is once again cohesive or the so-called gummy bear, but it's a softer type of gel. It allowed the distribution of the gel in the lower pole simply from gravity. That itself automatically create a teardrop shape, hence a very natural uh, result when you look at the patient three months after surgery. Because it is a round implant, it doesn't really matter if it rotates. So first of all, using ergonomics, Motiva ergonomics, you avoid the risk, you completely eliminate the risk of rotation from a classic, classical teardrop, but get the benefit of a teardrop appearance. Okay, so, so the Motiva ergonomics implants are round. Um, so how do you get the teardrop shape then? Teardrop shape is because of the quality of the gel. The, the ergonomics have a slightly different um, firmness and quality of the gel that you know, when, when the patient sort of uh, stand up right, then the distribution of the gel itself will actually create that shape. Okay, right. So, so what technique do you use with the Matiga ergonomics implants to help to achieve that soft, natural look? So, I mean, the... the, the the technique is almost the same as um, what we do with the classic operation because it is not a teardrop implant. It does allow me to, to have a little bit more of a leeway in terms of the exact fit of the implant. So with the ergonomics motiva, I tend to 
create a pocket that is just slightly larger uh, than the implant to allow a little bit of movement which simulate a natural breast without the risk of any rotation. Okay. So, because I know we've had that talk lately about the, um, you know, the, the complications and the, you know, risk of cancer and all that with, um, that, you know, implants can cause. So can breast implants cause an increased uh, risk of cancers or other lymphoma? And if so, is there anything we can do to reduce the risk there? I think this is this is very very good question and a very current question. Um, this is the most highly discussed um, phenomena in uh, among plastic surgeons who get a lot of surgery. Um, there is a type of cancer called lymphoma, um, specifically related to breast implant. Let me start qualifying, this is not your breast cancer. That is, this is a type of lymphoma that arrives from the capsule or the layer of scar surrounding the implant, as opposed to the breast cancer that we heard of that occurs within the breast tissue. So in effect, this is, this is a misnomer. It's not a breast cancer. It is a type of cancer arising due to the breast implant, due to the scarring around the breast implant. The technical term is ALCL or endoplastic large cell lymphoma. Interestingly, Australia is actually a pioneer in this area because there has been a large, um, high quality publication. The incidence of ALCL is about one in 4,000 to about one in 60,000. It basically depends on the type of breast implant. We now know that implant with a rough, highly rough texturing has a higher risk compared to those with a smoother type of implant. Put that in perspective, the incidence of female in Australia to have a lifetime risk of developing breast cancer, that is cancer arising from the breast tissue, is about one in eight. So we are talking about ALCL, associated breast implant, to be one in 4,000 to 60,000. So this is very, very, very low risk. But nevertheless, we as a surgeon, we want to eliminate that risk to as low as possible. So hence, we have to be very meticulous in when we do the surgery to reduce any risk of infection or contamination. But more importantly, um, this is where Motiva, you know, has outshined itself. That's not the reason why Motiva was developed, but it's just that this becomes so topical. There has not been any cases of Motiva associated ALCL reported. Uh, Motiva has been used overseas for close to about six to seven years now. So even though it's a fairly new type of implant, it has been around for six to seven or eight years which is the average time where ALCL will occur. So to date, well, we know in the literature there has not been a case associated with ALCL. So that's an extra bonus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess that's why women should know or at least research which brand of um, breast implant, implants they're choosing as well. Right. Yeah. I think, I think now, you know, we all should be 
a lot more transparent. I normally tell the patient what implant I use um, so that they know I get them to actually do some research about it rather than just take my word for it. Yeah, of course. And I, I suppose you've kind of answered this in a way, but um, um, the, how do you think this, the Mativa Silk Nano Surface helps reduce complications with um, breast implant surgery? Yeah, I think, I think this, is, this, is, this is a very good question because, as I said, this is the main reason I chose Motiva, is from the technology. Because it's nano texture, it is still a rough implant, but when you look at it, you wouldn't have thought so. That's because of the nano technology. It does regulate, um, it does regulate the cell involved in creating the capsule, which is a fibroblast. Fibroblast is a cell in our body that laid out collagen. Now, there has been some uh, histology, high-grade histology, looking at the, um, the activity of the fibroblasts has been shown that with Motiva, because of the fine-tuned adjustment of the texturing, it actually put the fibroblasts actually at rest and it is functioning rather than sitting dormant. So that's one of the reasons why we see lack of capsular contracture in Motiva from all the literature today. Yeah, and look, as a patient, I mean, you really want to, you know, you want to minimise the risks as much as you can on your side just, just by picking the right implant, picking the right surgeon, hey? Right. Absolutely. Like, why would you say that women thinking about breast surgery should, should come and talk to you? Well, I, I think... I think most important thing is women come in different size and shape. Women's breasts come in different size and shape. Um, and apart from, you know, breast implant is a lot more than just putting the implant in. When I've always said, when you enhance a breast, everyone can put the biggest implant in. But I think choosing the right size for you, not only for your breast, but also complement the body, it's probably the bit that most of us most patients don't even think about. You and I have seen women with beautiful breasts but may not be suitable. Instead of enhancing the whole body shape, it sometimes makes them look a little bit too top-heavy or too plump. And I think that is probably the worst thing we can do to, to, uh, to a woman in breast augmentation. It is still our role to actually perhaps discussive with the patient that, you know, a certain size suits them, but when it goes beyond a certain limit, it may be counterproductive. Rather than beautify them, I think it's actually downgrade. That's yeah. what I think, you know, uh, which is lacking when, uh, when patients come in to see. It's, it's, it's very much an aesthetic science and art. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. So apart from just thinking about the shape of the breast, the cleavage, how full the upper pole, how much cycle, etc., and all this stuff, one should also think of the body shape, not just the chest, but the whole overall body shape. A typical example will be someone who are a very skinny and lanky with a long chest. It does not make sense to give them with a full round breast because it simply doesn't complement you might as well give them something that complement the elongated look and you know choose an implant that will create more elongation rather than just too much cycle. 
Yeah. And I suppose when someone has a consult with you, at least you can, you know, because someone might come in saying, oh, this is what I want. Um, But once you explain to them how that's going to sit on their body, they might think, oh, okay, that's not the look that I'm after, even though that's what I thought that I wanted. This is what I want. So at the end of the day, it should be a two way street. It's a conversation between the patient and you. They will tell you what on their wish list and, and if that match the surgeon aesthetics, then it's a win-win situation. Otherwise, if it is not, then it is my responsibility to discuss this so that they can end up with something that will look aesthetically ideal for them. Yep, that's so true. And it's all about um, the patient making an informed decision, isn't it? Once they know all of the information, they can actually make the right decision for them with, with, with the surgeon. So tell me, just one last question. What what are your patients saying about their results with the Mateva breast implants? Yeah, I think the the commonest saying will be, um, I love my breast compared to what my, my friends have. I like mine better because it feels very natural. It looks natural. And uh, I think that's the biggest uh, difference I've heard in the last sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, I've... They look fantastic. I've just uh, like I just like I don't even want breast implants, but I want them. <laughs> the Mativa ones, that is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's been a real um. That that's been really interesting today, and and um great to hear that it's and, and I mean we all know this, but it's definitely it's a it's a two way thing. You've got to you know discuss with your surgeon what's right for you, and it's not just one implant for everyone. You know, it's it's whatever you want. There's a different you know, implant in the Mateva range that would actually work better for you. And why not, of course, why not lessen your risk of, you know, anything going wrong, really? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Lou. Thank you for having me, Trish. Pleasure. So, listeners, if you would like to see Dr. Lou, you can get in contact with him at Shape Clinic. Be warned, book well in advance because he's very, very busy. Um, so, if you, you look him up online, shapeclinic.com.au, otherwise, drop us an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. Thanks so much, Dr. Lou. No problem. Thank you so much. Bye bye. The Plastic Surgery Hub Podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.